and welcome to Run With Horses, the marriage edition. Today, Susan and I are going to be thinking about uh, our satisfaction, uh, how we are, or where we get our satisfaction. And it should be from God alone, but once we get married, quite often the tendency is to shift what should be focused on God onto our spouse, and that can lead to a lot of um, miscommunication, struggles, and personal... Uh, what would you call that? Anguish. Anguish, <laughs> yes. I'm, my needs are not being met, and it's because we're looking at the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my personal life, um, I definitely could could see that. Um, part of my testimony is that um, from the time I was about 13, I've just always wanted to be a wife and a mom, and um, being homeschooled and growing up in a small church, you know, I just was waiting till Bible college figured, hey, there'd be a bigger pond of guys to choose from. But after four years there, um, I didn't still find that person. A lot of my friends were all getting married, having kids already, and here I am just, what, am, where, what does God have for me now? And I remember finding Psalm 37, 4, which says, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I really looked at that and meditated on that verse, and it gave me hope and peace, but also a challenge, because I realized if I'm really delighting myself in the Lord, then that leaves it open for God to change my desires to be more in line with His. And so during that time, uh, while I was single, I just really trusted God and, you know, re- re- relied on Him to fill my needs and to lead me in whichever path He had, knowing that maybe He would change my desires to be married. Well, then after, I don't know, I was 26 when I met you, Norman, and then things fell into place. and wow, wonderful, we're finally married, and so happy, I get my heart's desire. And then somehow, I don't know what happened, but I guess my thoughts sort of, maybe I gave up looking to God to meet all my needs, but I started looking to you. And um, I know I was very whiny and just unhappy a lot, that especially that first year of marriage, because uh, I guess there's some of the unrealistic expectations of what I should expect from my husband. And they weren't being met, you know, and you you can't read my mind, and you can't give me everything I want. And I realized too just how selfish I really am, and those things came out very clearly in that first year of marriage. But that was part of my um, life lessons. Yeah, definitely. As we get married, it it clarifies where our focus is, because someone else is suddenly part of your your life and your world. And I think before you get married, you kind of live in your head a lot. And then suddenly you're forced to share all these things that have been going on in your head with somebody else. Mm. Uh, And when you start looking for uh, satisfaction, for peace, for comfort, uh, for answers um, from someone else who is not God, then you find that that person just can't you know, they can't read your mind. They can't actually solve all your problems. They can't answer every question that you have. Uh, and we begin to have those, that idea of unrealistic expectations, I think, is a, a big one in a lot of contexts in life because we're missionaries in Japan and a lot of people come to Japan with unrealistic expectations and they, uh, they're very dissatisfied with life here because 
what they thought they would get, what they mm-hmm. thought they would face is not what they find every, every day. And I think marriage is like that. We have this um, false image that the world gives us mm-hmm. from books, from movies, from music, from a talking to friends who only give you the bright side and you don't get a full, complete picture of what it is to be in a, a real relationship with someone else. And we say the marriage vows for better or for worse, but we actually assume that it's just going to be for the better. We're not going to have any of the worse, <laughs> but that's just not not reality. Right. And I think we do pick up a lot of our cues from the world and from movies and you get this image in your head, like this is what marriage, this is what a family should look like. And if yours isn't like that, then you think, what's wrong with us? Or what's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with him? And we can get dissatisfied when really that's not God's uh, perspective at all, or God's, uh, what do we want to say? God's desire. Design. Yeah. Design. Yeah. 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 That idea of, of expectations is a big one, I think, for people that are not married to really examine their heart and examine what the Bible says about relationships and to try to develop a a biblical view of what a relationship is will help them go in with different expectations, understand that it's much more about serving than it is about receiving. And the the typical uh, view that the music, movies, books portray is how much you receive from this. And it's all, usually there's one person who's the protagonist and it's all about how much better their life is after they've got what they Mm -hmm. wanted. Um, But when we look at the Bible, we say, well, we're to consider others better than ourselves. And that's got to start at home. And actually, that's probably the place where we have the most trouble doing that because it's it's easier with strangers or people at work and where we feel overtly rewarded for that kind of behavior, but we don't feel that at home, particularly Mm -hmm. if... Uh, people know us well and they know what our heart really is and know how we really are and they see all our works and all our problems and issues and uh, it it just is much more complicated Uh, and we're not we're not really prepared for all that marriage really brings as far as a messy relationship you know what is it that we really need in a relationship i mean god said to adam it's not good for man to be alone so he made eve for him and, you know, there are some needs that we as humans have, but and God has given us marriage to fulfill many of them or some of them. And I'm just thinking, what would you say if you had to um, summarize what are some of those needs that we actually do have versus, I mean, we also have wants too, which are is a different category, but what would you say would be our needs as a couple? Well, I think uh, the... Foundation is what you just said. It's not good for you to be alone. That companionship is the the baseline. You know, it's not good to be alone. And part of that is uh, seen in all those things we've said contribute to the difficulties in a, in a a new marriage. You you foster selfishness when you're alone. You're not forced to think about anybody else, and that's one of the things it's not good for us to be alone because it encourages selfishness if we don't have to think about anybody else we can just literally do whatever you want to that's not good for us that kind of discourages us from looking to god where a marriage particularly as you do face uh, trials or difficulties or just miscommunication you are forced to go well yeah really god is the one that fulfills me not this other person and every time you are confronted with that you benefit 
uh, your relationship with God grows. So that I think that's the kind of the baseline. Is it's not good for us to be alone in so many ways. Uh, if you think about going beyond just the selfishness, when we do have problems, uh, whether it's health problems or financial problems or um, things at work or just things we'd like to talk to with someone, a lot of people don't have the close relationship with someone else where they they can feel like they're in this with somebody else. You know, you can talk to a friend, but it's not their problem. Or if you're marriage, it it is their problem. You know, it's, we're in this together. And I think that's another benefit of um, the marriage relationship and something we get out of it that we need. We need to feel like we're not alone. And I think ultimately we're not alone because God is with us. But one of the ways that God supports us is through things like other people. And in the marriage relationships, that's through our spouse. I think it's important too in the church. This is part of the value of the church. To uh, God uses other people to point out to us we're not alone, and other people hopefully are spiritually mature and able to point to us that you know really God is the answer here. Uh, we need to turn to Him and trust Him, and that your spouse hopefully, if you're both on the same spiritual journey, you're able to reinforce those truths with each other because everyone has ups and downs. As long as you don't have the downs at the same time, <laughs> you're able to. Uh, encourage each other's thinking. You know, hey, that's not true. That's not biblical. That that's not reality. Uh, and I think that's another one of those needs that we get into this uh, circular pattern of thinking that's just a downward spiral. And ideally, your spouse is someone that you trust, that you love, that you know that le- they love you. They have your best interest at heart. And when they share something that you're not thinking correctly, you actually listen. Uh, and we need that. And hopefully that turns our heart not back toward them, but toward God. And I think that's, uh, all of that contributes to the value of that, that relationship and needs that we have just as, as people, uh, to, to have companionship, to not be alone, to recognize we're in this together, uh, to be able to face trials with someone, just to be able to talk to, talk through things, uh, when we have decisions to make. You know, in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom, and that really should start with our our spouse at home. It's like when we think about uh, buying a home or making job decisions and all those things, Mm -hmm. to be able to have someone who really knows the situation and to talk through that is is valuable. So again, you have all of these, I don't know that you could say they're little things, but there are all these different ways that that marriage relationship supports you and your life and choices and hopefully in a biblical um, marriage where God is at the center we're both continually pointing each other toward God and said what does uh, what does he want what is most pleasing to him what is going to help us to grow what are danger points here that we need to be aware of Uh, and all that's um, helpful in our spiritual life not just in our marriage yes um, thinking about not you know not being alone that is a really great part of being married especially if you continue to like the same person but um i was thinking even in that we can't depend only on our spouse because you know we can't be together 24 hours a day necessarily if we have jobs or if things happen and that's one way that god is better than a marriage relationship because he is here all the time with us and yeah i mean and there is death to consider too we're not always going to be around or you know something could happen and we're 
were apart. And um, when those times happen, if you have the right kind of relationship with God, it won't rock your world quite so much as if you were just totally depending on your spouse. So it's good. And just thinking about that question of what um, what are the expectations or what are the desires that we have that we look to our spouse to fulfill mm-hmm. that we should look to God to fulfill. And if you made a list of those, one near the top would be just to make us happy. And I think that's maybe not a, a good biblical goal, right. but it is one that we have just kind of accepted from the world that um, if you if you get the right the right thing, and that's where advertising is so detrimental to us. We read uh, an ad in a magazine or see an ad on TV or hear it on the radio, and it just tells us, hey, if you have this product, this new car, this new suit, this new purse, um, people will like you more. It'll make you happy. If you're sad, just have this, and this will make your, you happy. Uh, and those are all pushing us toward products, but we take that, and I think we put that toward our spouse and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not happy now as a single person. So if I just got married, I would be happy. Mm-hmm. And then we're surprised going into the wedding and uh, the following very quickly months and years we go, I'm not happy. You failed. <laughs> you were supposed to make me happy. Bad and, product. Yes, I bought a defective product. I wanted to refund. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, I think that is why so many people get divorced. I mean, they mm-hmm. some of the divorces are amazingly quick. They wow, this is not what I thought it would be. I thought I'd be happy when I got married and now have all these problems. Because if you think about it, I bring into the marriage all my problems and then I inherit your problems too. And so now our problems are doubled. And if I was expecting happiness and I'm suddenly find out that there's more work to do than there was before, um, you know, I'm going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. But if we are looking to God and saying, God, I want to be... I want to be content, not just happy. I want to be content, and I want to find joy in you. And if I bring that to the marriage, then I'm bringing contentment, and I'm not bringing all of my problems to you for solutions. Um, I'm coming in with a heart that is able to serve, that is able to help both of us point toward God. But we, so I think so many of us are not content, and we bring this discontent into the wedding, and let's say, well, the, this wedding is going to, this is going to make me happy. This is what I've been missing. Right. I've been by myself. Now I've got somebody. That's true. Um, expectations can be so subtle and sneaky, too. I think we have these expectations we don't even realize we have. And I, one of the things that has helped me is to ask, okay, why am I, especially when I feel like my expectation has not been met or I'm upset at something, I'm not saying this very well, Um There are times when I feel disappointed, and it's helpful to ask, why am I disappointed? Because when you follow the trail back to the source, you realize, oh, I'm looking in the wrong place for my satisfaction, or my expectation was wrong or unrealistic, and that kind of thing is really helpful. Yeah, tracing those backwards can help to ask, okay, I've recognized in my life I'm I'm not happy about something, I'm dissatisfied. What was I hoping for? What did I want to achieve? Um, and then if you identify it, sometimes you just go, I wanted the wrong thing. And, and that, that's helpful to know, oh, I, that was not going to satisfy me. I was wanting the wrong thing. And then other times we follow that trail back and go, yeah, I wanted the right thing, but I was looking in the wrong place for it. I was looking 
at a new product or at my spouse or at my children or at some other place where I should have been looking to God for this. Um, so in either case, tracing back and saying, what was I hoping for and where was I hoping to get it? How did I think this was going to work? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we are just not aware of the expectations we bring. Uh, we're not thinking clearly about what we hope to achieve. What do we want? So when we, uh, and I know, not that you do this, but I know you, I just read in Proverbs and talk about the nagging wife. And, <laughs> you know, if she stopped and said, what am I hoping to achieve by nagging? Um, it might help because sometimes she, there may be something really important that mm-hmm. you're hoping to achieve, but okay, this method is not the right way to achieve right. it. And maybe I'm talking to the wrong person about it. Or sometimes the goal is right and the person is right, but then there's also the way to go about it. And all of that plays into this uh, getting our desires met, getting our our needs met. There are places where a husband and wife fulfill each other's needs. But the way that we do that can make that, we can achieve that or uh, we can make it more difficult. So the nagging wife, it's not that she's nagging about something that's wrong. You know, that's not what is said, but it's the way that she's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not a lot different from the New Testament. We talk about the, the widow that comes to the king and she keeps asking for something that's it's legitimate and eventually gets answered. Um, she had a real need, and that was the way to get attention and get it met. But in the home, and the way that we say it, uh, the way that we approach our spouse can really make it a difference. So I think identifying what it is we hope to achieve, where we should be looking for that, and then when it is to do with our spouse, to ask, uh, how should I go about approaching this? Mm-hmm. All of those can lead to discontent if we go in the wrong direction or can help us have a, a peaceful and mm. a peaceful marriage and a contented life. What do you think about if your spouse is not fulfilling your needs and you've tried talking about it and nothing happens, then what do you do? Well ultimately I think it's all of our real needs come from God. There's nothing you actually really need that comes from your spouse. And if we understand that, that makes the whole marriage relationship um, better. There are want, there's a lot of wants, and there are things that might make our life easier and that God does intend, ultimately, that we get from our spouse. But all that you really need genuinely comes from God. And I think if we understand that, we, we do want to give our spouse the opportunity to meet those needs that God designed us for um, I mean, we should be encouraging to each other, but when you're not getting that from your spouse, ultimately God encourages you himself directly. So I think God um, meets those needs that we have. And if we look outside of him, we're, they're always going to be met to a lesser level from any person. Even if your spouse is darn near perfect, <laughs> they're still not going to be able to reach the level of uh, fulfillment in your needs that God does. And God may use them. But uh, to the extent that we rely on our spouse to meet our needs, we're we're really always setting ourselves up for disappointment or it could have been done a little better. You know, it's good enough. And we just kind of, we settle where with God, you don't ever have to settle. If you really are content with him, you're content and you've got what you need. I I think that's the hard part to, to really accept. 
But when you do stop looking to your husband or your wife to fulfill your needs, when you realize what you're just saying, um, I think that frees you up and it frees the other person up. You let them off the hook, so to speak, because you don't expect so much from them that they're incapable of fulfilling perfectly a hundred you know all the time so yeah i think that's very well then you can find real joy in the relationship because if you look to god to meet your needs and you're content with what god's giving you and then your spouse does serve you or um reaches out in some way yeah it's it's that much better it's it's helping to build the relationship that much more and it's part of that hey we're in this together and we're both focused Mm -hmm. on god and he's meeting our needs and then together uh we're intentionally trying to do our part to be a a tool that God can use in that way. Um, But yeah, it's just, it is, it's the icing on the cake to be content with God and then to recognize the blessing that comes from the spouse that is also content with God. Mm